your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, obviously, after Christmas in any year can be a stressful time for parents, but also for kids. They're knocked out of routine. If uh, the parents are knocked out of routine, the kids will be. And you might say, well, why not? They deserve to enjoy themselves as well over the break. But what do you do if your child is refusing to go to school? After the Christmas break, uh, Dr Sharon Houghton is Assistant Director on the Doctoral Programme in Clinical Psychology at the University of Limerick. And she's on the line now with her advice. And good morning to you. How are you doing, Sharon? Good morning, Joe. Um, thank you for having me on. You're very welcome and a Happy New Year to you. So, if your child just refuses point blank to go back to school, what do you do? Okay. Well, that's, that's a difficult and, and a, a bit of a nightmare scenario for, for a lot of parents. But I suppose the, the first step is almost we go back a step and, and look at prevention. So, Joe, what, what I would be kind of suggesting to parents would be to talk with their children kind of over the coming day and, and the, next, the next evening really before they go back to school and try and I suppose just explain to them what's happening, uh, talk to them a little bit about going back to school, a little bit about preparation, make sure that they have all of their, their things ready and, and are all set to go to try and eliminate any little anxieties that might be there. Now, if then on the morning that, that they are very upset or not wanting to go to school, um, first of all, I would say to parents to maintain an attitude that the expectation is that if school is on, they are expected to attend and that the parent will support them with that. But at the same time, listening carefully and responding to those anxieties that children have. So again, even the night before, if the child is expressing anxiety, there may be little episodes of, you know, sore tummies, that sort of thing. Um, to, to talk to the child about that, see if you can what it is that might be worrying them. And sometimes those issues can be quite small and, and parents can, can, can iron those out, can help to problem solve around those and make things work a little bit better. Um, with the older adolescent, then it becomes more challenging because... <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, if, if an older adolescent decides they're not going to do something, you, you simply cannot make them do it. And, and that's entirely appropriate. But again, I would say establishing good communication with your adolescents, ensuring that they're aware of the expectation that is there and then break it down. Again, talk with them about what it is. When we talk about school refusal, we do um, separate it out from truancy. So school refusal usually or often has as, as it, at its basis anxiety. So it's not a child unwilling to go to school for other reasons. It's usually down to anxiety. There's some, some little emotional piece to it, if you like. Um, so very much um, that open communication, trying to work with the adolescent or the, the child about what might be worrying them. And then very much collaborating with the school and, and, and working on a plan to try and help. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, Sean, but there's a lot in that. And of course, it's even more complicated this year. I mean, for example, to start at the beginning, what about the weird Christmas that most families have had and kids would have experienced as well? Is that an extra layer? Well, Christmas time or school holidays are always a time when children get out of routine. So that, you know, that in itself is great. We all need a break from routine and that can be really positive for recharging our batteries. But also it means that then going back to routine, again, it's a transition. And for 
for some children, transition is always a difficult time. So I'm thinking again of children who might have additional difficulties, like children with, with autism or special educational needs. So that can be can be more difficult. You mentioned there kind of that this Christmas has has been, you know, again, weird in inverted commas. I suppose we have had more opportunity perhaps than last year to meet with family and friends. So that has been a very positive and and an enjoyable thing, but maybe not for all, depending on the nature of the, the situation. But, so but what, some, you, what you have had is, and this is the whole dilemma, isn't it, around opening up and living with COVID, you have had a huge amount of anxiety around any visits you've done, um, waiting the 48 hours, am I going to get a text? Am I going to get a call? Am I going to get uh, COVID? And will I have to tell other people that I visited that it was a problem? And of course, the kids are picking up on all of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where I suppose I'd really be advocating for parents to, first of all, think about their own anxiety and trying to manage that. Because again, you know, from from research that we know about children, children do absolutely, as you say, they do absorb our our sense of, of anxiety and uncertainty. So we have to be very careful that we manage that in front of them and that we give them very clear reassurance um, and we role play, you know, kind of positive coping strategies for them. So, as you say, we have lived with COVID. We are at that stage where we talk about living with the new normal and all of that. So we've had to live with uncertainty. We've almost become that little bit more practiced at dealing with uncertainty. So to some extent, as we approach, you know, the, the return to school and the coming weeks where, you know, it is, you know, likely there may be disruptions. We don't know. Um, parents kind of adjust in their own heads how am I going to manage this with my, my child what can I put in place and um, so to try and have their own backup plan and then communicate that to the child in a kind of a calm relaxed manner yeah. that you know what there's no, you know there are some things you can't do anything about and COVID is one of those so how do we roll with this right. how do we um, we're talking to Dr. Sharon Houghton, uh, who is at the University of Limerick. Because um, the other point is, let's say you get past the the first barrier, which is, uh, I don't want to go back at all. And kids go back into school tomorrow and they discover that a number of their classmates, for a variety of reasons, are not there. And maybe they're not there the following day either. And then you're heading into a weekend where obviously there's the normal change uh, and then back in next Monday and your child is saying to you well I, I, why am I going in when loads of my classmates are not there? Well again I would come back to taking the stance that the expectation is if school is on you are going to school as most parents would, would be in favour of that. I mean when we look back to some of the research um, even in, in the University of Limerick the coast-based study that was carried out over the pandemic looked at parents' you know, anxieties, and they were, first of all, about the well-being of their child, then about their own work, and then about the, the child's education. So again, parents are very anxious that their children continue in education and access education for all sorts of reasons. Um, so I think, again, when speaking with your child, you, you hold that expectation that your, your education is important to me, to you, uh, and for all sorts of reasons, um, and maintain that stance with them. So... And then talk with them about their fears. So when they're noticing other people aren't there, what do they think that's about? Are they concerned about their, their friends um, being unwell? And then reassure them about what we know about um, you know, the pandemic and COVID and, and illness. 
um, and, and explore their fears with them as best you can yeah. without offering, and, obviously. And then, of course, for young children aged 5 to 11, uh, we are moving into that vaccination phase for them. And, I mean, that's something else that, you know, they, they've obviously got vaccines maybe when they were much younger, but th- this might be the age group where they are considering it and they're talking about it to their parents. Yes, and I, I think, again, parents need to, you know, they need to make up their mind what, how they feel about that. And then when, they're, when that is resolved in their own minds, then they need to speak to their child on that. And that is, that is a choice for parents and a decision, a difficult decision for parents to make. And then one that does have to be communicated to the child. But again, reassuring the child. But I think, again, for parents, it's about figuring this out and then open communication with the child and reassurance about that. Um, do you believe, by the way, in the concept of reward charts to try and get someone, like a child back into routine? So I think reward charts have, have often played a role in kind of behavioural um, reinforcement with, with young children and they have worked, they have worked well. But I, I would be very much of the opinion that we work in the, at an individual level with children. So reward charts work with some children, not with all children. And it, it very much depends on the nature of the reward that will be an incentive for an individual child, the age of the child, whether or not it's age appropriate. Um, so I would I would always take a very individualistic approach. You don't necessarily need charts with with older children, um, but you could have little rewards built in. I'm all for positive reinforcement for for positive um, behaviours, but you know the, the standard reward chart is not the be all and end all for for lots of children. Yeah. And a listener making the interesting point here, WhatsApping us on oh eight six one two three ninety five ninety five about uh, technology and the fact that more technology may have come into the house over Christmas uh, and. And kids spending more time on it and maybe they won't want to limit that again now to focus on school and homework absolutely and that that often can be a mitigating factor in things like you know difficulty getting children to go to school to to leave those things and as we know technology can be quite addictive but i think parents are, are fairly well educated on that at this stage and i think it is about setting boundaries setting limits on that um, but also, you know, being aware that, you know, this, these, I suppose, games and, and um, consoles and everything else, they are part of our, our, our kids' lives now as, as a modern kind of entertainment and all of that. And they have a place and, and um, you, know, a, you know, educational technology it can be very, very important, um, as can social media to, to minimise isolation and all of those. So... So I would be very much of the opinion that we use it in a constructive way, but that we are boundaried with it and that parents set boundaries early on. And if over Christmas there has been a bit more of it, to begin to gradually reduce that and set set limits. And and finally then, it feels like we are facing a very bumpy month with kids where, you know, they may end up even being in school on a given morning and then the parent gets a call and says, sorry, we can't staff the, the class. They've got, you've got to come in and collect them. That all messed up. And it, it sounds like you're saying you just have to stay close to your child, keep the um, lines of communication open. Absolutely, absolutely. And maintain, parents need to maintain their own wellness and well-being. So parents, again, I would imagine are going to become quite stressed trying to juggle work education and just the physicality of, of collecting children and, and dropping them off and maybe not having the same availability of childcare. So again, I would say to parents to be kind to themselves and kind to their kids during this period. And remember, we've, we've gotten through this so far. We, you know, we will continue to, 
to survive and, and make the best of it. But yes, acknowledge that it's a very difficult phase for, for everyone, but for them, themselves and, and their children. Okay, yeah. okay. Listen, excellent advice. Thank you very much and a happy new year to you, Dr. Sharon Houghton, Assistant Director on the Doctoral Programme in Clinical Psychology at the University of Limerick. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today.